This is the Legacy Builder Podcast, show number 14. When I am on the wheel, I have to let every thought in my mind go. Uh, So if I'm worried about money or what my child has done or what the community thinks about this, that, or what rumor I heard or whatever it is that I'm thinking about in my mind, I have to just put that all out of my mind Mm -hmm. and focus only on that lump of clay uh, because otherwise I fail. You're listening to the Legacy Builder Podcast, seeking out successful people to learn how they got their start, what drives them, and what they want their legacy to be. This show is to document the success of the people around us and have it to learn from for years to come. If you're here to be inspired, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and enjoy the conversation. Welcome in to the 14th episode of the Legacy Builder Podcast. This is Chris Gibson, along with my co-host, Miss Megan Gibson. And today we get to sit down with one of the most creative and passionate people that I know. And it's really inspiring to hear kind of how she got to where she is today and uh, the things that she creates for not only her customers, but for her community. So, Without any further ado, enjoy the conversation. All right, our guest today for the Legacy Builder podcast is Miss Shelly Goodmanson, and she has Serendipity Pottery, which I just see on the wall is award, uh, Oklahoma City Moms Awards Best Local Artist. Awesome! Didn't realize that. I didn't. I think I didn't realize that actually. But um, Shelly, we appreciate you jumping on cool. the podcast with us today, and we're excited to uh, have you on. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, so fun. So, Shelly, will you just go into how did you start Serendipity Pottery? Um, kind of accidentally. So Doug and I have been married 26 years, like half my lifetime. And when we first were married, we moved to the quaint little community of Del Rio, Texas, down on the southern border. And he was a border patrol agent and I didn't have a job for a, a very long time. Um, but it was a great opportunity. I had a degree. Um, we were freshly married and out of college and I had the opportunity to take art classes. And in Texas and Nebraska and Illinois, there are great community art centers that offer all kinds of art classes taught by regular people. And Oklahoma kind of fails in this. And you can take them free or very low charges. Mm -hmm. So I took all the classes that you can imagine. Stained glass, wood carving, quilt making, pottery, just whatever was available I took. Um, pottery was kind of the one that I kept going back to, but I had some friends who went there, um, and the ladies that taught that class spoke more Spanish than English, and they thought it was funny that I was going and didn't understand a lick of Spanish. So I learned a lot of pottery by touch, because they would touch and feel like they would put their hands on mine as I was learning how to make pots, and um, it was the most fun, and probably the most dirty, like you know, wood carving and quilt making are sort of clean arts, if you will. You don't get covered in dirt. Uh-huh. Um, and I enjoyed the dirty part, I think, more than 
like the clean arts, if you will. Um, and then when we moved, I decided that we should live nearby an art center again, because it was a way for me to keep involved. And it's a way to meet people when you don't have children, you have to find a way to meet people. Um, so it was a good way for me to meet people. And um, then I started to collect equipment to Doug's surprise. So then, you know, we moved to a new house and I'm like, oh, well, we have to have room for a, a wheel in the basement. And then if you have a wheel, well, you have to have a kiln, so you have to have special electricity. So he patiently and very supportively um, has been, every time we've moved um, with his job, like, okay, let's think through, like the house has to have enough electric pull to like fire up all your things. and. Um, and then, yeah, all my things, none of his things. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, his power tools don't use as much electricity as I do. So, um, that, that's kind of where it started, just taking classes. And now I have this whole big space and he doesn't come in here unless it's to fix something. So. <laughs> Which this big space is very impressive. That's where we're recording this today. And I was just looking around at all of the equipment and it is a lot yes. of equipment. Yeah, it's, it's almost kind of like a Breaking Bad like feel. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has seen that, but like the kilns and uh, the different things, it's pretty impressive how you how Doug has helped you set this stuff. Yeah, up. I mean, I have four so. wheels and three kilns, and I I have I mean I have all the tools that you need to do all the cool things. So yeah. I have all of them. Well. Um, I want to go back and kind of kind of tell us about where you grew up, how you you and Doug met, and kind of that journey of, uh, of you know getting married, moving around because of Doug's job, and then you know you having your child. Hello. Sure. So um, I was an oil field kid. We uh, moved quite a bit when I was young, but my parents settled for the most part of my later high school years in uh, Colorado. And then I decided to go to college at the University of Northern Colorado um, as weirdly a band student. Okay. I wanted to be a band teacher. Um, and I went there with the the desire to teach high school band. What did you play in the band? Uh, uh, trombone. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I was. Trombone. Yeah, trombone. Uh, it was um, not a lot of girls played trombone. Yeah, and boys are just much more like chill when you're in high school marching band and college marching band, and it was a ton of fun. I had a scholarship to be in the band all through college, so that was fun. And uh, when I was there, I met Doug's brother, who played trumpet and actually did become a band teacher. Good for him. Okay. Um, but Doug and I would meet when we had like you know functions social functions mm -hmm. um and he's just stuck with it stuck with like asking me out over and over until i gave it <laughs> good for dog it's we um we married probably three years after we met okay and uh, we've been married for a long time 26 years this year, so uh, it's, it's a long time. I like how you said half of your life, too. That well, it is because we're yeah. old. <laughs> <laughs> we are old, but it is really. We've been together a very long time. Um, and then for his job, he, he has a degree also um, in criminal justice, and we both have degrees. Um, and he wanted to be a... Which, what did you end up graduating with? Oh, I did not graduate with a band degree. Okay. I graduated with a sociology degree. Hey, me too. Yeah, okay. it's the greatest, most useless, useful degree ever. It really is. It yes. Is. It's more useful in everyday life Every situations day. instead of business situations. Right, right. Yeah. It is so great and useful and not useful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but we have a degree, so that's pretty great. 
Um, but he knew that he wanted to be in law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So he did. He uh, became Border Patrol and then U.S. Customs. And that moved us to Chicago and then to Nebraska. And now we're here. And he retired last year and now does corporate security. Okay. He's super happy doing corporate security. Not that he wasn't happy with the government. It's just a different kind of different kind of walk, I suppose. The private sector is a little different. It's a little structure. more lucrative and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> probably less stress. I would a feel lot like less stress. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of criminals on the weekend and on holidays to chase down, you know, as a yeah. government employee chasing down bad guys. Well, bad guys don't look at the calendar and go, oh, well, you know, that's Christmas break. So we're going to. Yeah, we were used to, you know, Doug being gone a lot for holidays and birthdays and anniversaries. So it was just the way like, you accept that as mm -hmm. the wife of a, of a military or government or police agents. You know, you just accept that, I think. And um, it's, it, it changed when he retired. He's home more frequently and able to do more things. So I think private life is better. Yeah, very cool. It's a great place to retire out here, too. You guys have a good setup out yeah, here. Yeah, we do. We do. And then um, about 13 years ago, almost 14, he would be mad for me not to mention that he will turn 14 this month. Um, we adopted Espen, and it was the perfect adoption story. Like, we worked through a private adoption agency and got him literally 20 minutes after he was born. And I'm the only mom he's ever had or known. Um, and he's a blessing and some days uh, pulls my hair out crazy, but I wouldn't change it. He's the greatest little boy ever. So, um, and he'll be 14. We've had him 14 years. Wow. All the things, all the things. Like I never thought I would be a mom of an ADHD -er or the mom of a boy who's all boy. Uh -huh. Like I never thought I would know as much about monster trucks, for example, as I know. <laughs> like, you can ask me about those. I can tell you. Pottery and monster trucks. Yeah, like, how can you? And jokes and you know all the things. So I love it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. So uh, you know that you kind of got to travel around. You've been in different spots, and when you came to Oklahoma, that's when we met because yeah. Espen was the same age as my son, and he was on our baseball team. And uh, you and your husband has have been involved in everything since you've gotten here and it's been awesome to see what you've done in this community you know not only serendipity pottery but you have done a lot of community service in cash in you know did the parades and the egg hunt all of the different things is that just a passion of yours that you have is just to get involved in the community and really help where you can yeah, I think it's, uh, for me, it's important just to give back in whatever way that you can give back. And, you know, when you're young and you're starting out, you don't always have the cash to just make a donation. <laughs> but you have other things um, to give. And you can always give your time. And I've always just felt like no matter where we are or what we're doing, I can give my time. Um, because it might be the only thing that I can give. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that it helps, well, now that I have a 14 year old, it helps him to be able to see that, wow, I might not have, like, my mom can't always write a check, but my mom can be there. She can work a concession stand or she can, you know, do this parade or whatever. So showing my kid that there's other ways that we can support our community and the places that we live, it, it makes it makes it just a better place for us to live. And it, it helps him to know that, we have to do something better for our community. Like we have to do it. Uh -huh. Who else is going to do it? Yeah. 
I'm sorry about those dogs out there. I love it. They're singing us a song right now. <laughs> <laughs> it might be good. They might not. <laughs> so I want to go into a little bit of, because you really have turned serendipity, not into just a pastime, but really into a business. And so when did it get to that point to, I'm going to transition out of this just being a basement hobby that I'm going to hide from Doug to, I'm going to tell everyone I'm doing this and bring in classes and things like that. Uh, the classes took a while to get to, but, um, you know, when we probably when we settled in Nebraska 12 years or so ago, um, I had tons of equipment and I started to like you make stuff and the shelf gets full of stuff and I can only have so much stuff in the house. Um, so what do you do with all the stuff? Um, so I started to sell it and go to the vendor shows and the flea markets, just wherever I felt like I found a spot um, and I could afford to go. Some of those shows are really expensive mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to pay more to be in the show than I felt like I was going to make. Mm -hmm. um, so there was always that like weird breaking point of are you going to even make your money if you pay that? Um, so I had to kind of balance that. Um, and it was getting into those shows was just a way to get rid of the things that were piling up on the shelf so that I didn't have to buy a new shelf. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, serendipity itself was my favorite word. And it's a book. Actually, it's a children's book. Okay. So there's a colorful little children's book called Serendipity and it's about a dragon. Um, and it's all about, like, finding something unexpected and, and, you know, the chaos of life, sort of, uh, that you weren't really searching for. Um, so that's kind of, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at or what you're doing. There's, you could, like, unexpectedly find something um, that you didn't know that you were really searching for. So kind of that's how I treat the whole business is it's just unexpected. Like, I didn't really see that coming. I really thought I would be a band teacher or something in the corporate world. Um, and that, that really didn't happen. Uh, my walk didn't go that way. Um, so after I was doing shows for a while, I became a little bit more selective in what I was doing, which shows I was doing. Um, and I picked the ones that had an impact on me or had, like they gave part of their proceeds to a nonprofit um, so that I, I felt like my mission and their mission were kind of aligned. So I was much more selective in what I was doing. And then when we moved here, um, I felt like Oklahoma just doesn't have spots for people to go and learn how to do cool things. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that's going to be, I'm going to do that. I'm going to just be the spot. Um, and I work at it, it and I do a lot of classes. Um, and I did a lot, a lot of them when Doug was gone um, for those two years in Washington. I, I did class after class after class. And then my son said, mom, there's always people here and you're always busy with a class and you're missing some things. And I had to step back and say, you're right. Like the reason that I do this is so that I can be with you. Mm -hmm. when you're going to do all of the things. And yeah. I love more than anything to sit in the wind for the thousandth time and watch you do X, Y, or Z. So I will <laughs> give up some of that so that I can do those things with you. And, you know, while I say that sarcastically, it, as a parent and as a business owner, it is, that is why, you know, that is why I do the things during the day or when he's away so that I can be where he's at. So he was able to verbalize those things and bring me back to 
like why I'm doing the thing. I love that. Yeah. Chris and I have that conversation often of just finding the perfect balance of how much is too much whenever you're taking care of your business. And it's hard to sometimes let some of that go, but really the only reason all of us are doing anything that we do is to provide for our families whenever it comes down to it. So I love that. Very cool. Good for us then too, to be able to verbalize that to you. Yeah. And it's, you know, the business, my business is here on our property. So it is harder, mm -hmm. you know, the people work coming and going a lot. And that's, I mean, that's hard. Yeah. It's hard on a family, but yeah. Well, the classes in are awesome, by the way. I mean, I've, I've heard because I have never signed up for one, which maybe one day. Maybe one day. So, you know, part of the, like, when I started pottery, like, I learned from community art centers. And so, like, they always are giving, like, community art centers just let you come and let you learn. And I wanted to not only let people come and learn, but it's important to me that art gets into our community. Yeah. And sometimes the best way to get art into the community is for me to take the art to the community. So I think, well, I know all of your children yes. have done the projects with me because I've taken yeah. it to the school, I've been on the street and cash in, and I, I have taken art into our community. And that is, it matters so much to me that art gets into our community in whatever shape it is, like, it, like dance, it doesn't matter music the clay painting i don't care what the art is but we need it in our community uh -huh. so i know that your families have all done it because yeah. i've seen yeah i sat on the street with you last yep. year and yep. built a face which that was a fantastic thing that you did for the community it was the faces of cash and would you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yeah what i that applied was? for um a grant there's a, a group in oklahoma called the oklahoma visual arts alliance and they worked with the andy warhol foundation and provided grants to 10 artists last year um, to do uh, community-focused art projects. And I applied for a grant, and I was a recipient. And um, my grant was to um, have all of the people that I could get in our community create a face and then to publicly display those faces for the, those people and the community to see. And I was super fortunate that the school um, let me come into the building and I did all the kids, pre-K through eighth grade, with a slew of volunteer helpers. Um, we went into every classroom and that was a lot of a lot of children and a lot of faces. Um, and then I had uh, groups at the churches. I had groups on the street. My, yeah, I came out and did one. play at the, you know, in front of your building. Um, and I just took clay wherever I could get clay. Like any place that wanted me to come out, I did. We went out and I did a clay project and we made faces. And I ended up with a, a little over 700 faces that were about six inches by three inches or so. Um, and every person created their own likeness, if you will. Um, my only rules were you couldn't make unicorns or monsters because that's not what our community consists of. So, but otherwise, like there was a bunch of kids that were like, well, can I make a mustache? And I'm like, you don't have a mustache yet, but go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, our faces are still hanging on our, like uh, the kids wanted to hang on our, so they're like hanging on our wall, like as you walk into our laundry room. And, and I think I knocked one of them off and broke it, but. Maddox's though, they had the long nose and yeah. he's like, I bet you can't keep this nose from breaking off, Shelly. Yeah. Still has the long yeah. nose on it. So. Yeah. 
some of the kids, like Espen and Maddox, um, they, like I've been taking clay into their classroom since they were in the second grade. So those, that group of kids, um, they really have learned that they should challenge me and they've done all kinds of challenging things like Maddox's nose and some of them built like weird ears. Um, they've done other projects where like one of the kids, they had to draw a picture. We were talking one time about how anything that you draw, I can make into clay. Um, and that's how cartoons and clay animation. And so that, that's where our conversation was going. And they didn't believe that. And so I said, just everybody in this class draw my picture and I'll make it into clay and I'll bring it back to you. And so one of the kids made this elaborate pirate ship. And I just looked for days at this pirate ship and I was like, there's just no way I can build that. And finally it clicked on like how, like how I could build his pirate ship. And so they've, they've challenged me. That group of boys and girls <laughs> well, I think it's just that because you challenged them to be creative, think outside the box and that's what they're doing now. Yeah. And it's because of the fact that you have brought that into their classroom at a young age. And the wonderful thing about it is, is our whole community and kids, our school has benefited from it because you still do things. I mean, it's not just, taking it into Maddox and Desmond's yeah. classroom, you've taken it to the whole school. And that's something that I appreciate as a, yes. as a parent of kids children going to school because without you in our community, I don't think they would, we have a great art teacher on Instagram. Uh, and the Ms. high school. And the high school art yes. teacher, Mrs. Baker. Yeah, and so we have some great art teachers, but to have someone bring the clay in there to really have the kids dig, dig in, get their hands dirty. Like you said, uh, it's been a blessing to our community for sure. So yeah, and I, you, you know, unlike the art teachers, like I don't come with um, any real guidelines. Like they can make, yeah. you know, and they can get dirty and they can squish it. And you know, sometimes we do have a particular project and we have to only make that project. But you know, other times it's just clay, and you there's you can't mess up clay. Yeah. And I'm not. It, it's yours. You do what you want with it. That I think it, it's just different than your art teacher because there's maybe some guidelines that you have to follow. And I just walk in and I'm, you know, it's a free for all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's very cool. Well, yeah. And your work is fantastic. It's beautiful. I'm actually looking at a bunch of flowers that I'm guessing you did during a class. Is that? No. So, um, you know, every year I like to do something for the community. Um, I think it's important to do community art projects and, um, world art day weirdly was April 15th. And this year I was like, I'm going to do a small scale art project um, and see how it goes uh, because I would I will be eligible next year for the same uh, grant that I received last year. You can only do it every other year. Oh, okay. So okay. I had to take this year off um, from applying for a grant, but next year I hope to apply um, again. Um, so I need to practice on a smaller scale, what I hope to do on a larger scale. Um, but this, uh, I just had people come in and I advertised it oh, minimally, I would say, to do. Uh, flower um, and they could build more than one flower but one flower stays with me and it's going to go in the community art piece and I'm going to hang that for a bit of time at the legacy building okay so, very cool yeah, so it'll be um, in a frame and it'll be uh, like a flower bouquet it'll be really cool so those are flowers and they're kind of lined out over there um, like those are the family structures like that so that because you're gonna get like those families will get to take home all except for the one that each child made uh, okay so those will all like I don't want all of those flowers. right yeah okay. you guys get to keep them and that's like that's the, like that's people had fun coming over here to build them um, you know like 
two-year-olds and adults, they all, like everybody can do a clay project and paint it and they turned out really great. You could, from looking at those flowers over there, you probably wouldn't be able to say which one a two-year-old built and which one. No, not at all. A dad built. So. Yeah. Christmas might be even better than somebody yeah, else. Probably. Because <laughs> <laughs> the two-year-olds are just going to smash things together right. and put on a whole lot of paint. I love it. Yeah. yeah. They look beautiful. Well, very cool. So, um, Shelly, one of the questions that we like to ask people on our podcast is if you have any favorite books that you would maybe recommend to people who were wanting to get into, like, an art business, or is there anything that you would recommend, or even in business in general? Oh, like smart books, not like fun books. You can recommend a fun book also if you would like. Such a, you know, I, this is super weird and it actually, I don't know, it's timely, but that Matthew McConaughey book, uh, Greenlight, yeah. I loved it. And I'm not really, a, uh, I do read, I read a ton of books, but I'm not really a book reader of like helpful uh -huh. books. Unless it revolves around ADHD and literally every book in the library I own, um, because you can never get enough knowledge about that subject, mm -hmm. and then your child will do something not in the book. <laughs> um, but about eventually business, you're going to have to write your own book I should. through your own experiences. It yeah. would be a thick book. Yeah. <laughs> um, Business-wise, I'm not a super. I, I don't. I don't know because I think I, I'm, the, I'm the personality type that I would get so wrapped up in like what somebody else was saying that I would forget like what yeah what I'm good at and where mm -hmm. I'm at. So it's I and I don't have a lot of time to just digest that. Um, but I did listen while I was in here to Greenlight by mm -hmm. that Matthew McConaughey book, and weirdly, he's doing a podcast today that I signed yeah. up for, so I'm going to listen to that, but I think just that is that was super eye-opening, interesting to listen to, because it just talked a lot about... Have you read, have you read that book, Megan? Uh -huh, I have. You know, like, yeah. the, the go, the green, and what stops you, and what holds you back, and what gets you going. Well, and I think it is a little bit of, like, the serendipity aspect of, like, he really did just find, like some situations that might not have been the greatest situations, but he found the green light in those situations yeah. and went with it. And I mean, obviously we all know who Matthew McConaughey is. It's led to a great life for him. And I think I could see some similarities to what you're doing too, of just find the green light and go and move forward with your business. Yeah. I think if you haven't listened to it or read it, I think go for it. Yeah. It's very entertaining. It is very entertaining. Don't I giggled what, a couple I was going to say, I was wondering if you read it because like, it's almost like a, Poetry. You uh -huh. know, the whole book is kind of flows and. And you, if you listen to it, if you listen to, sure. I listened to <laughs> it. And it was his, it's his voice. It is, yeah. and it, so there are parts of it where I had to pause it because I was laughing, or yeah. like I had to, you know, think on something that he said that was. You're like, wait, and then I would be, you know, it'd be just a minute, and then I'd think back on what he had said on a different part, and like, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Like, <laughs> now I clicked, you know. I mean, but yeah, it was it was interesting. Listen. And I'm not going to lie, he has a very sultry voice that I enjoy. And so I listened to it on a road trip and it was fantastic. Yeah. It made the ride a lot better. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, um, let's talk a little bit more about the classes that you provide because you said, you know, in Oklahoma, there's just not a whole lot of places just for people to come. Kind of, kind of talk about some of the different classes that you have done in the past that you're doing right now and kind of what you want to see going in the future. Yeah. Um, 
done lots of classes. I have four, I have four wheels, like I said, and so I have done wheel throwing classes for uh, both adults and kids. Uh, the only what like, is wheel throwing? So when you like all the bowls and stuff that I make, I do it on one of these wheels, and you like it's like everybody always wants to say, is it like ghost? Yeah, no, I was gonna ask you like, do you and Doug come out here and no. have like weird times? <laughs> no, I told you, Doug only comes out here when something needs fixed. Um, so he doesn't come out here to get on the wheel at all. Um, he actually, it, he will make like something by hand, but he has never tried the wheel. Espen, on the other hand, could give you a demonstration. Espen has done it since he was tiny. So it is like riding a bike to Espen. Okay. Just, he sits down over But it's not as easy as people make it look. No, it's right. not easy. Um, and it requires a lot of upper body strength because you have to like you have to manipulate the clay and make it do what you want it to do, not just be a lump that's circling around on a wheel really fast. Um, I would imagine it also needs a lot of patience and maybe like strong mindset because I can like I'm just imagining myself trying to do a wheel and like if it doesn't do what I want it to do, I could see myself getting frustrated easily. Yes. So, you know, one of the great things about it is that for me and I'm, you know, I would learn at community art center. So I'm not a college taught potter by any stretch of the means. But um, when I am on the wheel, I have to let every thought in my mind go. Uh, so if I'm worried about money or what my child has done or what the community thinks about this, that, or what rumor I heard or whatever it is that I'm thinking about in my mind, I have to just put that all out of my mind mm -hmm. and focus only on that lump of clay um, because otherwise I fail. Um, and then I end up getting frustrated and mad and I can't do this, you know, that whole mindset. Uh, and it's just because there was too much junk in my mind. So it is a lesson of like clearing off all the things that are in your mind and just focusing on that one thing. I love that. It's very hard and very hard. Therapeutic. And talk about, you said you would get frustrated, Megan. When I would get frustrated, like I'm a, like I, I want things perfect, right? Well, art's not always perfect. No, it's not. not always perfect. And what I would do is like, I can remember trying the wheel in high school art. We had one and I would get the ball about where I wanted it. And then like something would get off and the whole thing would fly off. And I'd just be like, mad. Like I wanted to throw something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you can't say. I, uh, yeah. Certain words. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but the thing is, it's like art's not always perfect. That's right. right. That's no, what it's not. It. It's not always perfect. Um, so I do wheel classes, not as often as I could, uh, because a lot of people, uh, when you're on the wheel, like you can make something, but you can't finish it today. So most of those classes are um, every week, you know, two hours once a week or even more. Some people, some places, clay places do two times a week, two hours. And it's a very large time commitment. And our community hasn't, um, hasn't really got a lot of extra time for that right. kind of a time commitment because we are all busy and it's very sport heavy community. So um, we all have kids and we all know what those sport heavy seasons are like for us. So if finding time to come do clay two times a week or one time a week for a couple hours, it's very hard for people. So I don't do as many of those classes. Uh, I do a lot more like one time classes and I love those where you come in and you make a flat piece or you make flowers or um, we do a lot of wall hangings. Um, those classes are super fun, but they're they're easier. They're, you only have to come one time, and then you you know in a couple 
of days later you get a finished piece and those classes I can fill up and do lots of those um, and they're they're a lot of fun and I try to offer them at a variety of times and you know one of the things that I've always done is try to keep the price super low for people um, with everything it doesn't matter if you buy something from me or you come in here to make something but I always try to keep the prices low and it, I truly have people come in here um, and I give stuff away because you know it's sitting there and you want it you just take it um, or if you can't afford a class and you've called me or I know something about like your you know family situation I just invite people over to make clay because it, it matters it, it yeah. creates you know a sense of community to come and make stuff very cool. I love that. What night are you doing classes like on a certain night or is that just kind of case by case? Like mm, I have a like because of, you know, we we got we got teen with a baseball schedule yes. and wrestling and all the things uh -huh. um, i work my like class schedules around him um so i do for sure i do a class a daytime class and an evening class once once a month and they're mm -hmm. listed on my facebook page and on my website um and then i have an ongoing regular group that comes every tuesday from 10 to noon okay those ongoing and i have one once a month that comes on thursdays the trade it's a trade club club they call themselves a club that is um, fun. They come, yeah, they come every once a month on a Thursday. Um, they make different trays. They paint different trays. They, okay. It's a club. Um, but and they're open to people. Uh, Do your classes fill up pretty quick? It depends on the day and the, really the season. Like, I will get a lot of people in the fall because football is – we have – Friday night games typically mm -hmm. and weekends for college and professionals, but our weeknight schedules are less uh -huh. busy probably in the fall and people are always thinking about what it can make for Christmas. Oh yeah. So I fill those classes up a lot more. Um, spring and summer are a less full and less busy class-wise okay. because our, as families, our schedules just get overridden with like all of the extra things. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. So there's a ton that people could you know jump on and get involved with what you do here. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to talk about next was the fact that you are always willing to take on a challenge. Like I talked about the kids earlier, right? Well, I've challenged you a few times with, hey, I want a coffee mug with my logo on it, or I want to play for this guy with this on it. And you've, all, you've always been willing to jump in and do that. You get a lot of that as far as your business goes, like just people really want to challenge you and kind of push your talents and your limits. I do, uh, I do, um, quite a bit actually. And then I sometimes pull back because some of them get to be where it is harder for me just to keep doing that thing than it, it doesn't, it's not any fun for me. Uh -huh. uh, but I do, like, I get all kinds of crazy requests sometimes, like to put the logo on or um, to make something exactly these dimensions. Um, and if I like doing it or I want to do it, I'll say yes, or if my time is uh, free to do that. Um, I'm so much more of a free spirit. So those those ones that are yeah. like, can you make 12 mugs exactly the same with exactly the same logo, exactly the same color are so boring for me because I will struggle so hard to make one mug that matches another mug. Mm -hmm. If you hadn't asked me to make them all the same, <laughs> I would, would love it. out all of them the same. Yeah. But if as soon as you've asked me and I know that's what you want is 12 that are all the same, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot do that. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter how much I weigh the clay or how much I prey upon it. It just is not going to happen for you that there's just no way because of my mind is already thinking, no way. This how am I going to no do this? Fun. This yeah. is horrible. Yeah. Well, that, that kind of 
now that you said that, and you said it's no fun to me, like this, your business, this is a business. Yes, it is. But you still make it fun. about fun and make it where you enjoy it. And I, and I love that because a lot of people can be like, I'm going to start this business and then I'm going to get online and I'll start selling all this stuff. And you're, you know, you're just thinking about all the money you're going to make. Well, money's not everything, right? And it takes I the joy out you really keep it to a, a point where it's enjoyable and it doesn't seem like a job to you. It's more of a fun thing that you get to do and you get to include other people. Is that kind of your business model, I guess? Uh, because you, you could, I mean, scale it because yeah. everybody that sees the things that I have that that you've made or I've taken to different things, they're like, where can I buy this? So you can scale up okay. and make a ton of money because people love the stuff that you make. But is that something that you want to do, or is that just I want to keep it to where it's fun? Uh, it's uh, that's a hard question because there's like a part of me that wants to be big and glamorous, right? We all, I think, we all want that somewhere in our life to be mm -hmm. bigger than we are. Um, but it's it's just me in here. So, and I have had the fortune to like I like. My business doesn't pay our mortgage. <laughs> it's always been the fun money. Uh -huh. So while there have been seasons that I have had a business that we have relied upon uh, my income to help pay a bill, it has not been the normal. So it has been, um, you know, the money that buys all of the uniform or supports a child's whatever, um, more than it has paid the mortgage. We don't have to rely on my business to do that which has been great and i think probably it's not normal for businesses to run that way so since i have that uh, support from my husband behind me i don't have to worry so much about the bottom line or you know making that uh -huh. dollar to support a pay payroll or whatever um and so i can keep it more fun but if it is becomes drudgery and if it becomes something that i don't want to do i'm not inspired to come out here and do anything yeah and i have to be like to keep up and to keep current and to keep people wanting things, I have to I have to be creative. Um, that's the only way I can keep moving my business forward is to be creative. Mm -hmm. um, so it has to be fun. So I keep it kind of at a happy medium of making the money and keeping it fun. Yeah. And I mean, I really do like, I try to keep all of the things like affordable to people. Like one of the things that has always been important to me is that art should be affordable and accessible to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't have to have um, billions of dollars to afford something that you like to look at or like to drink out of or like to hold. Um, so I really try to keep all the things I make for any like price pointed so that anybody can afford them, <clears throat> which means that I'm not making billions of dollars. Um, so. I think we've actually talked about this where it's like, People want a lot of the things you have, and I'm like, well, then just you didn't have the time or whatever. And I was like, well, just charge more. It's capitalism, right? Yeah, like, right. You know, and uh, but that's that's not where you're trying to get. You're trying to bring art and, like you said, have that to where anybody can attain it. And I think that is a pretty cool uh, thing that you do. And like you said, there's people that come out and, or I, I know you've made me things before, and I'm like, how much is it? Show how much do I owe you, and you're like, just pay me what you can. Yeah. And I'm like, you tell me how much do I owe you? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, which you will tell me sometimes, and 
I'll gladly pay it, but it's like, that's not your first thought. It's not like, I'm making this to make this. I want to make all the money. Yeah, Yeah, it just definitely shows where your heart is in all of this, which is really fantastic. Yes. So is there anybody, one of the questions we always ask in the podcast, or a lot of times we ask is, is there anybody in your life that you could say was kind of a mentor in this aspect or anything that you kind of uh, done throughout your life that you can really say, hey, this guy was, or this girl was somebody that uh, really looked up to or taught me a lot. Yeah, you know, um, when we moved to Texas and I was doing um, just all the different classes, there was a lady that ran the Mexican Cultural Center named Maria, and she really was a go-getter. Like, she did all the things, Um, and she taught the classes that I took in pottery, and just to not, like, the Cultural Center didn't have all the fancy things, and, you know, like, they lacked some equipment that might be vital for a pottery studio, but it didn't stop them. Like Maria was never held back from teaching us all the things that we wanted to learn. Um, And everywhere that we moved, there was always somebody there that was willing to show me, willing to teach me, willing to, you know, like when you buy a kiln, you don't know the first thing about having a kiln. I didn't know how to turn one on, but I knew that I had found one on Craigslist and we were going to go pick it up. Um, But there there was somebody that I could call or talk to um, the next time I had a class or, you know, Facebook them or whatever about how do I make this happen? And generally, um, those community centers and those community pottery places are so open and so willing to share information. Um, and I mean, I applaud all of them because that's where I learned everything. And I hope that like, now I can share my yeah. knowledge with people. So, yeah, it's neat to just have Maria just was there to find a way mm-hmm. to make it happen. That's kind of where you're at now. Yeah. So that's yeah. And it's cool great. because, you know, like since I've been teaching people um, in Nebraska, I had a, a, a student that came um, often and he um, I met him when I was working at a bakery and he was just strangely was like, I have some wheels and a kiln. Do you want them? And I was like, well, this guy's weird and nobody just gives away all this equipment yeah. and all he wanted to do was learn. So he was willing to give me the equipment if I would teach him how to do it. Um, and I did, we, we worked on a deal. I picked up the equipment. He came, he learned and, um, Rick then moved to Florida and now he owns, um, a pottery studio in Florida. Oh, wow. So it's happened several times. Um, a lady used to come for classes from Enid here. She would drive here from Enid every week. Um, and she then moved to Alabama and opened into the studio so it's super cool that like people that i have helped along their way are now helping people along another way well then you just never know like how long that's gonna spread because the people in alabama and in florida are gonna teach someone who will hopefully move and start their own and just keep it going and just keep art art in the world art in the community so yeah well what's what i think is cool about the art and the things that you do and you said you weren't you know, educated in the school or whatever, but it's in art, it doesn't matter, right? As long as it looks neat or looks cool or and it's functional or whatever, you know, that's what matters. And if you're good at being able to produce that and teach that, then you can be successful. And right. it doesn't you don't have to have a degree or a license or anything like that to teach someone. You just have to take the time to learn it and then take the time to pass that skill along to the next person. And I think that's what you're doing here. Yeah, so. it's absolutely, yeah. Because I actually have, I mean, I have a bachelor's and a master's that I don't use 
at all. What's your master's in? Uh, fundraising and event planning. Okay, that makes sense. You do use that. Uh, a little bit. I don't get paid to do that. That's but, true. Right, okay. right. But, right. but I do, I mean, I do use it. very much right. appreciate I do, I do have those degrees. Um, but I, I mean, I don't need those necessarily to be good at sharing art. Uh -huh. I don't need those to make pottery, for example. Um, and I spend a ton of time in my studio, often by myself, quietly, making things that I go and share with the community. And then I cr sit here and I think up ways that I can get the community to come to me to do creative things um, because I just want to share that with people. I just want to share that art with people. I love that. Very cool. Yeah. So another question that we like to ask our guests are if you could go back in time, maybe whenever you guys were moving around a lot and you were just starting to acquire the things and the skill, is there anything that you would tell yourself whenever you were younger to get to this point today? Yeah, I would tell her a whole lot of things. <laughs> I mean, you know, when I Sheesh. was younger, I worked so hard. I, I mean, when Doug and I first married and we moved, I didn't have a job for a while. Then we ended up in Illinois, and I um, was a like the head fundraising development person for a nonprofit, and I worked 60, 70 hours a week as a nonprofit, you know, executive raising money, and it's hard. It's a hard life, and all of the things that you think are important and all of the things that you think you need and all the, you know, the fancy cars and the designer clothes, all the things that you think you need um, when you're younger, you don't. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter. None of that matters. And I think uh, if I could tell myself, just stop working so hard and take the moments to enjoy the moment that you're in instead of forcing yourself to always be working for the next thing. I think that would be the, the important lesson to teach her. I love it took that. her a long time to realize that. Which, yeah. I mean, I think you still work hard at what you do, right. but it's work hard for the right reasons yeah. kind of thing. Is what yeah, you and to, like not to always be working forward to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Like take time. Like yeah, I work hard. I work hard on committees in our community. I work hard in my studio. I work hard with my family. But in working, I also enjoy those moments that I'm working enjoy instead of just right. Instead yeah. of just like always moving to the next minute, uh -huh. the next moment, I am enjoying this moment. Yeah. Um, and I think that you know when we're younger, we might not we miss that. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm probably. My wife's probably like listening to Shelly right now because I'm always like working. I'm always on my, I mean, looking for the next thing. I'm on my thing. phone trying to figure out the next step to do this or do that. And it's, I mean, I do try to take time to put the phone down and hang out with the kids, but it's hard, you know, that when you're trying to make a living, trying to make a, uh, a business successful, it's hard. It is hard. Uh, but it's good to hear someone say, hey, Slow down and enjoy what you're doing right now. Yeah, so. because you it is right. It is true. Like everybody says, you know, you blink and your kids are grown or you blink and you're, you know, you're whatever. And, you know, like Megan mentioned earlier about taking phone calls while she was on vacation. Like we have to stop and just appreciate like those moments uh, because they are they'll pass us by and we'll be on the phone and miss like um, things or. I don't know. It's but it's very hard. I mean, it's super hard. Like you guys have seen me. I've I literally yeah. take the clay to baseball. Stadiums. That's what I was gonna say. I, Anytime I see you, you I, have I your have work. The you clay know. in the bag at a wrestling tournament. Uh -huh. I, have, I take it with me, absolutely. And there have, I mean, there have been plenty of wrestling tournaments where I was like, "Did you see that?" And I was like, 
Did you wrestle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they I go did. so fast. I did wrestle. It was nine seconds. Yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, I take it with me because it, they're, like, that's what you do. You take it with you. But you have to also stop and enjoy those things. Yeah. The big things. Well, sometimes, like you said earlier, the, the clay is, when you're in doing that, it's kind of a stress relief. And I'm just like, I'm going to forget everything and just enjoy the moment. That's kind of what you're doing yeah. you're, when you're when you're inside your studio it's you're just in the moment and not and you i think you told me this before and i was trying to get some internet service in here with my phone and i like no service no. i think you've said it before you just kind of come in here the outside world is shut off because there's no signal and you can kind of really focus on what you're doing and you know you said that earlier it's like when you're doing that clay pottery and it's you know that one thing you want to focus on that one thing um in business, I do this all the time where I'm trying to focus on one thing and my phone dings or I get an email and I'm, by the time I've answered all these different things, I didn't even do the one thing I was working on and it's to have a business and focus on one thing at a time is a, a skill that you have to develop over time and uh, so that I'm just trying to wrangle that back into the business aspect of stuff and, and that's something that it's hard to learn in Pottery is hard to learn, but you kind of mastered that. So it is hard to learn, and it is hard to like. We are, I think, a society of multitasking. Mm -hmm. Like it's our skill. Like that's our skill set. We all multitask. Um, but with my studio and doing like a lot of wheel throwing stuff, it is I cannot multitask. Um, and that is like you've called me before, and I I haven't answered, and or you've like sent a text. Somebody sends a text, um, and I don't answer, and it's because I literally can't. Like I am covered in clay, and I can't pick up my phone. Um, and if if you like, if everybody had that, you know, like if you had clay all over your hands when you were trying to do your one thing, you wouldn't do all the other things. Right. So it's a, it's sort of a luxury, I think, that I have that I can put it aside. Um, and certainly, my phone is set to like if it's important to somebody, you know, like if the school is calling and there's a nurse on the line or my husband is, you know, beeping me, and those are important things, then I can wipe off my hands and focus on something else. But generally, it's a one track. I I do the one task um, and anybody who knows me from any other kind of committee uh, knows that the night is when I do my business work um, and it is not uncommon for me to send a message or an email at nine o'clock or ten o'clock because that's when I can sit still and I can focus on some of those other tasks that I have to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. Very cool. I love it. Well, one other thing I wanted to talk to you about is just the passion that you have for the arts, the passion you have for your son, the passion, the passion that you have for um, different things. How is it that you are, you have a drive and the want to, to get out there and be involved and, and make noise sometimes where some people won't? Is that something that you always had or is that something that you just kind of learned to, to, to do to make, you know, make sure that your, your voice is heard? Mm, I think a little bit of both. So my dad kind of was uh, vocal when we were in school about things. Like if he didn't see the whatever, he would call the school and harass people from A to Z. Um, so seeing like your parent as you grow up, like advocate for your children or for the community of children. Um, I think I saw that. Um, did he always advocate in the best of ways? Probably not. Um, do, do we all sometimes make mistakes? Absolutely. Uh, but I think working, like, 
there isn't anybody that will advocate or work for something if I don't do it. So if I need something done at school for my kid, your kid might also need it. And I'm gonna just make that call because I can and I'm not afraid. Like those are all adults. They put their pants on the same way as I do and um, I'm not afraid of them. Their education, their job, their level of expertise doesn't scare me because I'm still advocating for my child. Um, or for my community. And I, I feel like if I don't set that example to jump in and do something, then I can't expect anybody else to do it. I like that. Because that's the thing, you know, you do, you're, you're very involved in the school and you're not afraid to ask questions. And that's what I always like to tell people is don't sit back and complain. Ask a question and then see if there's something that you can do to help or get involved and maybe join a club or, or, Put your time out there because if you if you're not willing to do that, then nobody's really listen. We're willing to listen to you. No. So yeah, right. So it's a, like it doesn't matter if it's at the school or at the community. Like I've called a hundred times to complain about a hundred things, and then at the end of my complaint, I'll be like, if there's anything I can do to help fix the hundred things I just complained about, like here's my number. Let me know. It's on you. Now. Mm -hmm. to yeah. Occasionally <laughs> they do. Yeah. And started the Christmas parade, Sayward and I saw a need, um, that, like there was a Christmas parade and it could be better, it could be something different. And so we just kept calling and asking the right questions and the right people. And then before you know it, like, there we are, we're making that happen. And now it's magic. It's yeah, magic. It's it a magical parade. It is magical. <laughs> so Love the it. last question that we always like to ask everybody is the legacy question. And, you know, at the end of the day, Shelly Goodwinson is no longer working in her shop, what what do you want people to look back and say, man, that was a great legacy that, that Shelly left? Um, I hope that it is uh, that anybody can do art. It doesn't matter what kind of art. I hope that the thing that I leave behind is some creative piece, like that you can be creative in a hundred hosts of ways and that you just hold on to that little bit of creativity. It doesn't require you don't have to have any special skills to be creative. You don't. You can doodle on a piece of paper. You don't have to have a master's degree from an art studio to do that. You can be creative in whatever way you can be creative in. And I hope that's what I leave behind. It's creativity. I like it. I love it. Exactly Perfect. What you're doing. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Well, fantastic job. Thank you for Thank joining you. us. Yeah. You're so sweet. And I love your shop. The whole thing. Love Thanks. the whole package. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, you extra. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody wants to know more information, I'm going to have some links to your Facebook page and your um, website on the show notes so they can jump on the link. Perfect. So appreciate you jumping on with Thank the show. You. What a great episode today with Shelly Goodmanson. Uh, we're honored that she would jump on the podcast with us and talk a little bit about what she does and how she got to where she is. And I hope that everybody enjoyed getting to hear her talk. And if you have a chance, definitely sign up for a class or go out to her studio and just kind of see her creative space. And maybe uh, you'll get a little inspiration too. Yeah, Chris, just really enjoyed getting to sit down and talk with Shelly. You can really feel the passion that she has, not only for art, but also for her community. Um, I just think for any entrepreneur, the goal really is to achieve what she has achieved, and that is to make money while doing something that you love, and she is really out there rocking it. So 
Good job, Shelly. Loved getting to sit down with her today. And that does it for the 14th episode of the Legacy Builder Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Shelly. And, uh, you know, her legacy of just being creative is a great legacy that she is really living out to the fullest. And if you ever get a chance to get to sit down with her and let her pass some of that creativity on to you, I think it would be well worth your time and effort to uh, join a class and learn something and really try to bring out that creativity in you and in your life. So without any further ado, I will leave you with what I leave you after every episode of the Legacy Builder Podcast, and that is, what is your legacy? Because we are all legacy builders.